to be a winemaker, essentially you, you're a manipulator of grapes in a way, um, depending on, 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 on what the grapes look like. But um, there are tools in winemaking that you can use um, to make it, yeah, if you think it's better. I don't think necessarily it's better. Um, so what I want to bottle is something that's from this place, 100%. In this episode, I'm talking to Kali Lowe, who is winemaker at Porcelainberg Wines. Hello, Kali. It's so lovely to meet you here on Zoom. Good to meet you too. And you are um, owner and winemaker at uh, Porcelainberg. I uh, work for a company called Buchanan's Kluf that owns Porcelainberg. Yeah, so I farm oh, I for them. Yes, I farm for them. So we farm uh, two properties um, here on the Porcelainberg and one on the back of Castilberg. And uh, yeah, so most of the grapes go into one of our bigger wines called Chocolate Block. Um, and then some of the grapes go into the Bukanas of Sira. And then um, I keep a bit of grapes here for the Porcelain Black wine. Oh, I see. Okay. So, yeah. and, and you're involved in all in the making of these wines? Uh, the grape growing of, of, of the chocolate block and Bukunas Klosira and then the making uh, is, is Porcelainberg, yeah. So I, I, I um, harvest and transport grapes too. We have um, a, a pretty big facility in uh, Somerset West, Haldeberg Winery, that produces most of the chocolate block wine. And then um, the Bukunas Klof Winery in Franschhoek that does the processing of the Bukunas Klof wines. And then the small winery on the Porcelainberg that does the, uh, that we do the Porcelainberg wine, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because the, the chocolate block is quite a famous uh, uh, wine yeah, here really in well. Europe as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it does really well for us. We can't make enough. Oh, is it? <laughs> so what do you think is the, um, yeah. the attraction to that specific wine? Uh, yeah, I hope it is the, the wine and nothing nothing else. But yeah, mm -hmm. I think it's just a, a really attractive bottle. Um, and yeah, it's just, yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, it's like something like Yellowtail. Why would somebody buy something called Yellowtail? But it does really well. And there's yeah. other things um, that, yeah, you know, marketing is something that's completely above my head. But um, yeah, it's just something that works. And uh, yeah, as I said, I hope, hope people are buying it because of the wine and not because I think it tastes like chocolate or, yeah. or whatever. But it's just, yeah, it's just a beautiful bottle. And yeah, I think the, the, the quality in the bottle has obviously been the thing that's kept it um, so, so sustainable and so, so much in demand. Yeah. But now tell me and about... I think it's great value for, for money. Yeah, and of course. Um, but now tell me about Porsche Leinberg. Uh, um, and you uh, are... You are involved there and you have the, the wines that you make at Porcelainberg. Are they uh, specifically from the grapes there? Um, so Bukunas Kloof used to be uh, a net buyer of grapes. They sourced most of the grapes. And in 2009, they decided to invest in, in more vineyard holding. And they bought this farm on top of the Porcelainberg. And initially, we wanted to plant 40 hectares, and we've now grown up to 90 hectares here on the Porsanberg. And in 2014, we bought another farm on the back of the Rebecca Steel Mountain. Um, so we have 130 hectares between the two, of which most of the grapes go into the, um, into the chocolate block. 
and Bukana Sira um was to be I used to make wine out if I can keep a bit of grapes on the farm and just mess around a bit. And um yeah, so in 2010 we had the first um vintage of, of the Porsche Lambert wine. And from the beginning, um, I wanted to have a wine that is from a place and from a vintage. So we do hardly anything in the winery. We pick the grapes, we try and farm as, 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 as best we can, um, uh, given every vintage. And then, um, yeah, we pick whole bunches, pick bunches that look and taste nice, and we put them in the tank. Uh, we don't do any fancy sorting or add anything to the wine. Just a bit of sulfur. We used to foot stomp in the beginning. It's gotten a bit big now, so the foot stomping is a bit impractical. But the the essence of 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 the thing is still the same since the first harvest. So we put everything in whole bunches. Um, it ferments naturally. It's aging in fudra in big wooden casks, and uh, we bottle wine that's made for aging, not wine that's made for immediate drinking. Well, that's amazing. So it's very organic then, the wine, the yes. whole process of the wine. Yes. Yeah, we actually, we were certified organic on the farm. Uh, we took a small break from the organic, but we are organic again. So we certified organic. Uh, we don't put it on the labels because uh, that's not really the important thing for us. But yeah, we just try and farm as with as little impact as possible and try and sort of leave something behind that's better than what we found it. Now, um, I'm also, I'm very interested in, in fermenting and, and the fermenting process. But now when you make the wine that's not, um, that you say you don't add any, you, you, you go very natural in the fermentation process. Do you think that, yeah. do you think that makes a, a big difference in the taste in wine in the end? I think um, I think the the idea is for it not to make a a, a difference, um, so that the wine tastes like where it's from. Because um, we are allowed to add acid, we are allowed to add enzymes, we are allowed to add a whole range of things. But all those things have an impact on on the final wine, and that to me is not not right because you manipulate. I mean, to be a winemaker, essentially, you you're a manipulator of grapes in a way, um, depending on. On, on, on what the grapes look like, but um, there are tools in winemaking that you can use um, to make it, yeah, if you think it's better, I don't think necessarily it's better. Um, so what I want to bottle is something that's from this place, 100%. It's not been tweaked, it's not been, um, you know, manipulated, it's not been made to taste like, so if it's a hot vintage, it's going to taste like hot vintage. If it's a cool vintage, it's going to taste like a cool vintage. Um, so, yeah, that's basically the idea. Yeah. And now when it comes to the soil as well, um, because that's also very important in the whole process. Yeah. And yeah, well, the soils... Yeah, so on the Porsche Lambert, we have a really um, very poor soil. Uh, that's why they, we have mostly wheat in the in, in the Swartland. And in, on the Porsche Lambert in particular, it's very shallow. Um, we have maybe one foot of soil and then it's bedrock because um, we are farming on top of the mountain. If you're going down the slope into the foot, into the valleys and the foothills, we have more soil. Um, the, the soils tend to be more vigorous, which we don't want. Um, so 
South Africa, the African continent, have some of the oldest soils in the world, um, and that means that they're mostly completely weathered. There's not a lot of parent rock anymore. Um, so we have the complete opposite here. Um, the, most of the South African soils, we have maybe 80 to 90% of loam of soil and 10 to 20% of solid of rock. Um, and here we have the flip. We have 80, in some cases, 90% rock and 10 to 20% of soil. So it's a very hard place, um, especially something like Syrah uh, is a grape that loves to grow. Um, if you put planted in, in a rich soil, they don't stop to grow. You have really big bunches, really big berries. Um, and uh, obviously, that you'll see in the wine. So in a, in a, in a way we are lucky here, it's just difficult. I mean, to keep them, to keep them going and, and producing and we have a lot of wind. Um, so we have really small berries, really small bunches. So this site definitely has a massive impact on, on the resulting in wine. And that's why I want to try and capture that in the bottle instead of uh, messing around with the grapes. Yeah, and do you also um, in in uh, with the soil? Is there a process that you that you uh, try to um, enrich the soil for the grapes, or or do you just really organically leave it as as is? Uh, no, no, um, I think is um, we. I'm focusing very hard on on cover cropping. So um, you have so minimum till as well. No till. We try not to mix. Because all of the life in the soil is in the first 100 mils, four, four inches of, of the topsoil. There is some stuff going on uh, way down, uh, but not as much as the, as, as the topsoil. Uh, down, the, the deeper you go, is more water reserves um, and things like that. Um, but in the first you know, 100 mils is where all the action is, where all the life of the soil is. And so we um, yeah, are very actively working with cover crops um, nitrogen fixes like legumes, um, some brassicas that clean the soil, some of the um, oats like sire oats, black oats is a, is a soil conditioner, it cleans the soil from nematodes and things like that. And um, we also plant radishes that stretch the soil, open the soil. Wow. Um, so yeah, so we, uh, we're focusing very much on, so we're farming the inner rows as hard as we're farming the, 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 the space where the vines live, because this is to trying to utilize the entire soil profile. But what is this interest for you in, in going so organic? I think it's the only sort of really sustainable way of, 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 of improving of improving the soil. So carbon, um, carbon management is something that's, that's really important. Um, and I mean, there's enough literature on, on, on the importance of carbon and everybody's under the, uh, you know, we're all under the, um, we think that it's just everywhere, but it's actually quite difficult to, to fix carbon and to, to lay it down and capture it. Um, um, and that's with stuff like no-till and minimal working and, and, and cover cropping, um, not working with bare soils, um, and that's how you yeah, sort of try and capture it out of the out of the atmosphere and lay it down. Um, and yeah, with carbon you get more better nutrient um, retention, better moisture retention. It's just the yeah the gains in trying to farm carbon just way outweighs things like because input farming when you start going down that um, you'll always be putting in. Um, it, uh, you never stop. 
you kill your soil and you've basically got to treat it like hydroponic medium. Um, whereas when you're farming the life of the soil, the bugs, the orga organisms, the microbes, um, it's a really interesting and rewarding process. It's a long process, which a lot of people sort of lose interest in because it's not a quick fix, like adding sugar to your cup of coffee. It doesn't yeah. taste sweet immediately, but, um, uh, but it's a hell of a lot more rewarding. Well, I think it also makes the cycle then, you know, when, when you start going organically, then it, it sort of, um, the process carries on and it, it becomes more beneficial than at the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it becomes better. Um, yeah. it's, it's just, uh, yeah, but it's something that you've just got a sticker. Um, it's not, you don't farm it like that for 10 years and then pull out and say, okay, I've done my job. It's yeah. something that you just got to keep on, you know, stoking mm. the fire. But is it, um, and now at Buchenholz-Kluf, are they, do they have the same sort of outlook on this? Yes. Yeah, okay. so the Buchenholz-Kluf property is also um, uh, uh, organic and has been for a very long time. And yeah, I think we are all dreaming about maybe one day having chocolate block organic. Um, but um, yeah, there's definitely some, um, but I mean, yeah, to us, it's more of a, of an, of a, what you, a mindset rather than, than, a, than a marketing scheme because there's a lot of people that jump on the organic wagon because they want to sell product instead of really doing it for the right reasons. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, but now also um, your label um, is, yeah. is printed. You print it yourself. Yeah, I have the yeah. letterpress in my office and uh, yeah. That's amazing. I love it. So it's, it's totally this, when you buy this bottle, it's it's everything. It's almost like a handmade process then. Almost all made on the farm. Yeah, the only thing that comes from outside is the glass and the cork. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But now tell me about the, what made you decide on, on printing the label yourself? Yeah, well, the, the guys that designed design the label, the, um, the blind embossing um, that the label has, uh, you, you cannot achieve that texture with um, the, the modern day printers because that's all like varnish buildup and things like that. Um, so you, you, and yeah, the only way you can really get that uh, texture and that feel is with one of those old letter presses because they physically it's a stamping action. Um, it's a press. Um, and uh, yeah, these flexo and screen print, I don't even know what these new prints are called, but um, they, they, yeah, you don't get that, you know, because uh, it's a really thick paper that we use as well. Um, and it's manual, every single thing, it's not, um, yeah and the energy on on that but that's that's wonderful so um and um okay so these bottles when you buy um a bottle of wine that you say this is not a wine to drink this is a wine to keep yeah we're, we have quite a bit of tannin and the, the wine is quite astringent quite aggressive when it's young um, and, and the stringency sort of uh, mellows and the wine becomes a lot more complex and um, yeah. 
But we still sell in boxes of 12, so you can have one or two early and sort of watch it mature, learning and getting to know wine. And, and do you export this wine? Yeah, so we're mostly exporting. It's about six exported and then 40% sold, sold locally. Oh, okay. But now, um, Kali, tell me, what is your wish for the future for your wine? Oh, I think, um, yeah, we've been uh, super, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, it's been just so well received. Um, the the sort of the the whole idea of the wine and, and sort of trying to make something that doesn't suit the market and uh, making something that's that's basically completely original and from this 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 site and yeah I think um, yeah hopefully people will just always um, I think uh, just appreciate uh, this honest version of 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 wine from from a little dry patch on the southern tip of Africa. Yeah, um, I I think it's wonderful. I love this story and this hand. The fact that it's really handmade from the um, from the wine to the label. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's wonderful. Okay, Kali. Now, just one Is last it? thing. Uh, tell me, can you do a shout yeah. out for a? Um, is there a restaurant or a coffee shop or somewhere where you visit regularly uh, that you want to mention? Is there a place? Um, I don't think I'll, I'll sing a single, single out anybody. Uh, I think just everybody that supports Porcelainberg and Bukhanas Cliff, thank you very much. Oh, okay. Uh, it's much appreciated. And especially, I mean, we've been through some tough times yeah. um, with all our prohibitions and things uh, yeah thanks to all the wine drinkers yeah now i know everybody is has been affected by this pandemic and uh and uh, yeah that's true Kali, thank you so much for your time and speaking from porcelain okay. <laughs> yep. okay have a lovely day Cool. Thank okay. you. Thanks for the opportunity. Bye. Cheers. Bye.